Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Get ready, Ohio. FanDuel America's number one sports book is coming to the Buckeye State. And to kick things off, you can get started with $100 in free bets as an early sign-up bonus. Plus, when you sign up today with promo code OHIOFD, you'll be all set when FanDuel goes live in Ohio. Then you can bet on all your favorite teams in all your favorite sports with $100 in free bets. Just download FanDuel's top-rated sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Ohio, this is your chance to get in on the action. Join today with promo code OHIOFD. Make every moment more with FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of the NFL. 21 or older and present in Ohio. Bonus issued in non-withdrawable free bets that expire seven days after FanDuel accepts its first real money sports wager in Ohio. one Unique user identity verification required. Offer ends on the go-live date. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Hi, folks. Welcome to another episode of Film Study. This is Ken McCusick. We're here to discuss the offense from that Broncos game. Obviously, this is the more difficult discussion of the week. We had a great talk about the defense. All happy and up notified, except when we're talking about the injuries, of course. But here to talk about the offense with me is Coach DC. Coach, how are you doing? I'm doing great, man. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. And you did you did select me, apparently, for the uh, the most difficult segment. So, <laughs> so thank you two times. <laughs> Probably of the whole year, honestly, Coach, because uh, this is just... Is we're hitting it, hitting it at the wrong time. Uh, before we get into this, though, let me thank our sponsor, Liquid Death, the water that will brutally murder your thirst. Please give their product a try. They've been good to us. Uh, but let's get back to the, to the topic of the day, which is the Lamar sprained PCL came out today. Uh, what do you take from that? Have you had players who have had that sort of injury before? Yeah, and myself is included as well. Um, you know, so mine was a, t- a tear. And with uh, PCLs, what I know about it, and you may have some listeners, I'm quite sure you will, who probably know a little bit more, who, who maybe even do work. Um, mine was not repaired. I had to, I just did, just did uh, physical therapy, but it was a tear. It was a tear. It was like a 30% tear, and I was allowed to um, com- continue competing because at one time, believe it or not, I actually did, you know, compete in sports. Uh, but what I know about sprains of a PCL is that it's typically w- what I thought was two to six weeks, but that's not what I'm hearing now about Lamar. It may have been a less intense, um, you know, sprain. But immediately when I saw his knee get jammed into the ground, I thought PCL because what I know of it, the way I've had it explained to me is it's an accident. It's a injury, a ligament injury that's typically seen in car accidents when people are not wearing their seatbelt and their knee jams into the uh, dash as they slam on the brakes um, and your, your femur or whatever that bone is called is unable to move, but your shin bone moves backwards. So stressing the ligament backwards uh, sucks, you know, especially because it occurred at the end of the quarter. And so we were also confused when they came back for that first play of the second quarter. I know you were there, right? Yep. 
<clears throat> so you saw it, but you know those of us, those of us watching on TV were confused about you know what's going on here. Why is he not on the field? They they don't often announce things like that, but they actually announced it over the public address system. <clears throat> uh, your attention, please. You know Tyler Huntley now playing quarterback for the Ravens, kind of thing. Right. Uh, it's not a good feeling to have, and obviously then we notice the tent is up. Then the next thing we noticed was a bunch of camera people moving quickly down the sideline. They go, okay, wait a minute. And then you, you from the front of the camera people, from the back, the, the camera people are all trailing Lamar down the stairs, basically. And, oh, no. And it's, it's, it's just one of these things. I, I don't know. I, I get very depressed when this, this kind of thing happens. Uh, angry, depressed, you know, probably go through all this, the, the five stages at some point. But um, it's, it's a eerily similar situation to last season when you get right down to it. You've got uh, Falele at left tackle and, and McCary uh, both subbing in for Stanley again, which is, by the way, not much better than Alejandro Villanueva, probably worse, the combination of those two. Uh, and then and then you have uh, uh, Huntley in again for Lamar, and and everything has to change about this offense. Yeah. It's, t- it's tough to see because, you know, as a huge Lamar fan, someone who – I wasn't a huge Lamar fan in college. It's not it's not that I didn't like him. I just – I didn't watch college football like that. I was still coaching. <laughs> so I was busy. But when he got drafted and then and then hearing him talk, I just became a fan. And it's unfortunate because now it allows a certain narrative to continue. Like, oh, he's a running quarterback. Running quarterbacks are going to get hurt. Well, both times he's been hurt in the last two years has been on pass plays, you know, where either, you know, Moving out of the pocket, or you know, a sack from from the backside in this case. Um, so that's just unfortunate, and it, yeah, it's frustrating for everybody because we were all hoping for, and still are hoping for, him to come out on the other side of this uh, challenging year. Um, you know, with some kind of outcome, some kind of heroic outcome. You know, if you're like me and you still believe in heroes, so he. Uh, Hopefully he can come back and, you know, I doubt if it's too, I doubt if we see him in the next two games, me personally, I've seen a couple of kids with PCL sprains and for our experience, it was a month. Yeah. um, We did have one uh, student play an entire year without a PCL at all Um, because he's just senior uh, five, seven, one fifty five, but lightning bug kid who, uh, you could put in your room that I see right now in your background, and we wouldn't be able to put lay hands on him. And he played an entire year without one because he knew, because he knew that that was going to be his last year playing football. He was never going to play in college. So and he ran for fifteen hundred yards and twenty two touchdowns. So there you go. There's a year. By the way, need to need to congratulate your team. Why don't we do that on here? Here. Yeah, those guys at Decatur that um, you know I had I know some people who um, are involved with on an everyday basis. I'm not one of them. But they had a heck of a year and went up there um, and played Milford Mill and gave them a, a scare. I think they were leading up until the uh, um, last minute of the game and Milford Mill and you know was able to go down and get a touchdown. So it was a great game. I think forty to thirty three, and then Milford Mill went on and won the state title. So awesome show put on by Milford Mill and Decatur. And uh, you know our guys were hoping to pull out the win, but Milford Mill is obviously deserving. All right, very tough team, uh, absolutely. And congratulations, uh, uh, you know, on your favorite team. Uh, Looking across the rest of the injury front for a moment, we got Stanley remaining sidelined. Don't know when he's going to be back. And it seems like Harbaugh goes through almost a set of stages himself. When he first wants to talk about an injury, it's always the most positive possible outcome that gets talked about. You know, from Lamar, it was going to be days to weeks. 
for 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 Stanley, it's going to be he might play this week, and I don't know how many consecutive times that was that was the case. Now he's finally down to we'll see with with Ronnie. Yeah, uh, it it, it I, I don't know what to take from this when he talks about Lamar in terms of expectations. Do you get that same sense, or do do you have a a, a different feeling about it? Or do you not even bother listening to Harbaugh? I mean, a little bit of both from in terms of I don't bother um, because I also, to be honest with you, I also have a little bit of an issue with the responsibility or the um, requirement to constantly update when the information is still developing. Yeah, and, and, and not only developing, it's secret. And, and there are reasons why you should want to withhold and, and uh, deny what's what's going on to a certain degree there's i mean there's all kinds of motivational reasons both for the player and the rest of the team why you wouldn't want everybody to think lamar's not playing for you know the rest of the regular season if that was if you even knew that was the case right now yeah and and for me personally like i would i would have a hard time judging or formulating any opinion um on our process because like this is the only team I pay attention to. So I couldn't com- the only other team that I have any knowledge of how they handle injury injuries and, and announcements of injuries is the Patriots because they got so much negative attention for some of the things they did that were secretive, like you just alluded to. And I cannot lie and say that um, on some level for the coaching staffs and the organizations that are secretive, I commend them for that. You know, right. now having, having said that, ultimately it's the health that, matters most. And um, for Stanley, I wouldn't be surprised to see him in Cleveland. Um, I'm not sure that we see him in Pittsburgh. Lord knows we definitely need him. <laughs> yeah, it really makes all the difference, uh, uh, Tim. You, you, I, I think you could probably make the argument, although I probably wouldn't, that Stanley versus the other options is an even bigger chasm than Lamar versus Huntley. Although I, I, I think there's Huntley is beloved in this town right now in ways that um, I don't think are, are really particularly realistic. I mean, we've, we've had a fair amount of Tyler Huntley that we've actually seen on the, on the field. Uh, he led the team to a 91 yard touchdown drive. That's terrific. He also didn't play all that well generally in the game. And he certainly didn't play all that well last season. Yeah. I think Stanley versus whoever else has been in there has been, you know, really, I, I would I would agree that it's as big of a chasm or as big of a gap in some ways. The only thing is, I would say that Huntley can at least execute our three step drop pass game. Mm-hmm. You know, and he can clearly, obviously, hand the ball off and run a little bit. The those other guys, I think that when we have not had Ronnie Stanley in the lineup, that actually limits our offense a little more in terms of effectiveness than Huntley being in there, which I think is kind of what you were saying. Um, it's a huge loss. And, and we saw it when he came back suddenly this year. And I think other people saw it. I have alluded to it on video in videos multiple times, maybe even the last time on your show. Uh, Trey Hendrickson was the guy who I watched his reaction after the second or third pass rush against Ronnie Stanley in week five, I believe. And he, he kind of turned and looked at Stanley and he didn't talk any shit because normally Trey Hendrickson is talking the entire time and he knew this is different. And, and I think, I think we saw how different it was when he was out, obviously, you know, last year. Um, and it's a huge loss. Hopefully he's able to come back. I would say I would expect him back in Cleveland. Um, 
if he's in back in Pittsburgh, that, that would surprise me a little bit. But um, Lamar, I don't think we see in either game. Yeah, unfortunately, I think you're you're probably correct. But uh, hopefully this is not a long term. The Ravens really need to win at least one, and they'd really like to win two of their divisional games that are not Cincinnati. Mm-hmm. So that's a very tall order at this point. It's just an extraordinarily tall order. I don't think they'll be favored in any of the games. Maybe yep. Pittsburgh at home, but 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 I don't even know that. Uh, so it's a it's going to be a, a tough road to hoe. Let's move on a little bit though, because we can't belabor the injuries forever. Greg Roman has been the other big topic of the week. The the potential offer coming through at Stanford, and we don't know exactly where that sits right now. He's certainly getting hung in effigy in this town for the Prochet interception call in particular, and Harbaugh not mincing words to talk about, you know, we'd like to have that one back. Yeah, the timing of it was horrible. Because, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, now I have my second laptop fill, um, opened up so I can, I have my drive possessions. <clears throat> but the timing of it was terrible. Now, the concept of a trick play against the Broncos was not. They were set up totally for a trick play. And I identify that in the week uh, beforehand, beforehand because they, have, they, are, they react so heavy. And they're fast. They're a fast defense. So they react so heavy. Okay, so I got it as our ninth possession and we're down 9-3. And to me, it looks like about a 10-play drive, maybe 9-play drive, where we convert a 4th and 2 um, out of empty with Huntley running. And then we get down to their 29. It's 2nd and 7. I don't see that as um, a situation for a trick play. When you're, when you're establishing that you can move the ball, that's my problem with it. My problem isn't the play. The design, you know, Prochet throws the ball too late. The ball should have been thrown to catch at about the seven, something like that. That, that ball should be thrown to catch. Um, you know, we call it a hole shot, you know, over top of the corner, outside of the safety in a cover two. I don't know that it was exactly a cover two. It was thrown too late. So horrible execution. Uh, and I just think I don't like the play call in that situation at all. Our philosophy, if we were going to do a trick play against someone who was set up for it, was like a sudden change. First play of the quarter first play of a possession when we don't think we're able to move the ball against them. In this case, we were not playing well offensively, clearly, but on this possession, we're down at the 29 and a touchdown gives us the lead. I thought it was a horrible choice to make the play call. And for Harbaugh to say that, and I I support Jim Harbaugh. I mean, I do, but for him to say that you've got a headset on dude, you know, you hear your headset set up. I know how it's set up. You've got a button. You can switch over to offense and defense, and you can hear the call. You're not listening to the defense when the offense is on the field, coach, because you, there's no need to. So he knew the call before the play. But if you preempt that call, you would need to call timeout, and the headset gets cut off at 15 seconds, right, at the at the NFL level? For the quarterback. Yeah. So you're right. But if you, if you obviously, if you want to preempt the call, you got to get that to the quarterback. So yeah, for the quarterback, it's cut off, but for the, for the coaches, it would be, and that, and that's the type of thing, at least in my experience, which is obviously nowhere near that is that it's a discussion before the drive. Okay. So you're struggling moving the ball. You're down nine, three, Hey, we might use the trick play on this drive. Okay, fine. There, there is no way that there wasn't discussion of that trick play, at least some quick communication mm-hmm. at some point during that drive prior to that play. It didn't just suddenly pop up. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, that's that's a very good point, and and I, I you know, it, they've got a couple of those scripted, maybe because they have practiced those plays. You don't, you know, run a, a double reverse like that, and you know, have Prochet ready to throw a pass without having practiced that play during the week. And 
Yep. Prochet should have also, I think, under those circumstances, known what to look for. And yep. four defenders perfectly surrounding that receiver was not the ideal situation to throw the ball. So not some of it is on Prochet. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And and if you're going to – and you have to tell the kid or the player um, – Hey, you're, we're not used to you throwing the ball. That's 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 why I like the design of it from the standpoint of Prochet's right-handed, like eighty-three percent of the population. So he's moving to his right. So if you're going to miss the throw, you miss it toward the sideline or even out of bounds. Long so, right yeah. yeah, so that it's it's the the miss, quote unquote, like in golf, you know, if is is safe for us. I still don't like the call. So like an incomplete pass puts us at third and seven from the twenty-nine. So to me, it's a call that. And the execution, yeah, Proche executed it poorly, no doubt. The ball's got to be thrown quicker. By the way, um, one thing I will say, that play was installed last week. That play, you can you can tell with um, DuVernay and the timing of him and Proche. Watch it. The timing isn't clean. Yep. You know, that it might not have been installed last week, but it was trick. certain trick plays that you use have to be installed in training camp. And they have to be things that you touch on every week. So when you need, you don't know when you're going to need them, right? You don't, you can't anticipate that. Now you get to a week against the Broncos like this and, and you, anyone with any experience can look at the Broncos defense on film and say, they react to the first thing they see, the first route they see, the first flow they see, they react to it and they commit, which is wonderful, but they're set up for a trick play or a reverse or something. So anyone could see that. But um, that situation was the wrong situation to do it, number one. And number two, it wasn't clean because we, we just installed it, in my opinion. Yeah, I, I would agree. And when you think about what installing means, you don't have a lot of time to practice plays. First of all, you're only going to run that play once against your own defense during the week. And then you might run it again as a walkthrough play, mm-hmm. which means you know that's a half speed. If you, you, you can explain, Coach, what a walkthrough play is. Yeah, I mean, walkthroughs, you're, like if you're going to install something the first practice day of the week, which for high school is usually a Monday, for the Ravens is usually, what, Wednesday? Mm-hmm. It's going to be it's going to be an installed, and that's probably even more meetings than anything for them. It's going to be installed in the, in the meeting room, on the whiteboard, you know, on or video. Like you're going to say, hey, th- this is a play that such and such used in at Georgia, and we're going to look at doing this. Hey, this is James, this is you, Duve, this is you, et cetera, et cetera. Um, it just didn't look clean, and the walkthrough install is is on air. You know, it's on air. You know, and maybe maybe you put a coach back there as the safety that you're reading or you're you're looking to react off of. And believe me, I know that I've been that safety personally <laughs> for for high school teams before, where you know the coach is like, "Hey, you do this," and the kid reacts this way. So you know what to do to try to simulate for the kid without putting any of your kids out there on the defense and wasting their time just standing there, you know, and then doing it live against our defense. I bet it wasn't done once. Oh, you bet it wasn't done even as a practice play during a segment or anything. Cause I, I mean, a practice play. Yeah. But against our defense in a live situation no. Okay. All right. I, well, yeah. So, but you don't think it was done in an 11 on 11 during practice pre walkthrough is what you're saying. You're saying it went from whiteboard to walkthrough. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And then, and then you would practice it on the field. You know, they would practice it on the field. They'd probably st- stop, pra- stop like 11 on 11 or, you know, what I call team and say, all right, you know, defense, you get water. And then we're going to run our tr- a couple of trick plays here and put a, put a practice, um, practice squad guy out there at safety or whoever else. I just, I just don't feel like you're going to waste reps on something you're, you're starting. You're talking about starting defense. 
Well, yeah, I mean, first of all, I think yeah. if you show it to your own starting defense, they don't know it's installed. The offense knows it's installed, but the defense doesn't know it's installed. Try to get a reaction. So, yeah, right. get their reaction out of it. And then and then the second time you run it is in walkthrough. And a walkthrough, you're not really racing or wet because everybody's moving at half speed. As so they're already playing this ridiculous game with each other of I can move faster while walking than you kind of thing. <laughs> we used to call it th- we used to call it Thursday heroes. Yeah. Guys that are guys that are here on Thursday the day before the game, you know, because they're going at eighty two percent and everybody else is going at fifty. And that's why I say to be honest with you, in, in a lot of those situations, we just removed that. We would just go on air. You know, we were looking for pace and tempo and and ability to move quickly on air. Um, I don't know. I just, to me, it looks like something that was installed last week. It doesn't look like something. Well, we've never seen it before, have we? No, and 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 I, I I'm completely buy on what you're saying. The I, the on air thing. I wanted to ask one more question about though. If you did it, quote unquote, on air, would you still tell the offense we're going to show you two back end defenders here, and it's going to be these two coaches? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yep. That's what we. Yeah. That's what we did. Yep. Okay. So I think that would be uh, that would be a way to do it too. Let's yeah. And our guys, our guys did. I, it's nothing wrong to. Do we run trick plays generally? Uh, do we? I don't think so. Do we? Uh, not. Not. So I don't think as much as other teams. That's that's for certain. Um, you know, because Lamar is so slippery himself. Mm-hmm. I think you're less likely to try that kind of a thing. You you got your your most dangerous ball carrier always has the ball to start the play right i just look at like i look at the titans and i don't want to trigger ravens fans but the titans probably this is a rough estimate here i would say probably four or five weeks out of the season they run a trick play and when i say trick play i don't mean double reverse pass i don't mean you know some of the more elaborate trick plays you've seen in college i mean something that's very offbeat something that's very specific and designed to attack a certain part of the field. Like for, I'll give you an example. 2020, the Titans, I think it's week one. They run a, a play-action throwback to the tight end, which was uh, Smith, who's now with the Patriots. John U. Smith. And, and that, John U. Smith, I'm sorry. I just yeah, yeah, yeah. Good player, good player. Got ahead to touchdown catch against us in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Um, they run, and, and they run it, and he's told to make it look like he falls down. That's a very specific thing, mm-hmm. and it's done to to take the safety's eyes away from him and and basically check him off. Like, oh nope, he's he's. I don't need to worry about him. And they do that four or five times a year. We never do it, and that's that showed up during this game when we tried to do it. We didn't execute it. Yeah, I I, I think another good example with the with the Titans <laughs> they did in the playoffs was they had Henry throw a short touchdown pass. Right, so mm-hmm. you get the ball near the goal line for Henry. It might have been a three yard or two yard line yep. or whatever. He handed off the whole defense, of course, drawn in to him. And then he had a nice, easy pitch and catch, leaping pitch and catch, actually, in the back of the end zone. So, uh, it, a jump pass like Tebow yeah. used to do at Florida. Yeah, yeah. yep. Great, great point. And we just don't do those things. So, yes, were the Broncos set up for it? Absolutely. You know, is it something that a lot of us could look at and say we should run something like that? Yep. But we don't do that. And we don't have those things pre-installed. And we don't show them to you as a defense so that you have to worry about it. That's a, and you know, is that a 20% weakness? No, it's probably a, just a 2% weakness. Just a, just another chink in the armor of the Greg Roman offense. Another thing that we don't do. There's, there's a lot of things to point at in this Greg Roman offense, but I, 
I am, you know, certainly looking back to 2019, it was one of the greatest offenses of all time with not the greatest personnel of all time. Agreed. Okay. Uh, in 2020, they were close to what they were in 2019 before the injury to Ronnie Stanley. And the injury mm-hmm. to Nick Boyle then followed that and, and, and made it Horrible. more difficult. 2021, they were nowhere near, but of course, that was a year of having Alejandro Villanueva at left tackle, and and that showed you just how much that can hurt a team to be without a, their their left tackle for a year. Uh, they had other problems too. The running backs got hurt at the mm-hmm. same time. I mean, it, you know, it, it was a it was a miserable year of injuries generally for that for that team. Um, I, I come into this year, and and I'm my basic hope was that the Ravens could get to about two point sixty five points per drive. They are not too far off that right now. As a matter of fact, well, they probably are a little bit off that right now. I got to go actually look at their at their drive stats right now to to see where they are. But now with, with a nine point game, that's uh, or a ten point game, that's certainly going to do it. Yeah, you could run that before week thirteen, right, and see what it was. Uh, I probably can. They're at two point three zero points per drive still currently, which is ninth in the NFL. And they were would have been in the two point six range, I would say, before the Panthers mm-hmm. game. Say, so point I'm making is that the the Ravens' offense this year, when they had Ronnie Stanley, when they had their their pieces in place, was running at the level they need to be to be a very dominant football team in general. Agreed. And and, and so even even as much as the general consensus opinion, I think we'd agree is that is that Greg Ruman is is bashed for this offense not producing at an even higher level, but I don't know how people get there. That's cover. Yeah. Yeah. That's cover for, for the players that we want to protect and, and make excuses for. Yeah. Okay, that's well, cover. And that, and that's all of them, including Lamar at times, but Lamar's not the issue, you know, compared to all yeah. other guys, but that's cover is what that is. You know, you understand that. I, I but do. he deserves some of the criticism. He, Greg Roman does. You know, again, you 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 don't give us you don't give defenses certain things they have to prepare for. <clears throat> and so, I, I mean, I I don't remember the last time I saw a reverse. I don't remember it. I don't. I've. I don't remember what, what. Why aren't we running more boot stuff with Lamar that at least pulls someone out of the box? We don't run it. We run I, a play I've got action. Run that. <laughs> but, in terms of, of boot action, the boot action with a non-mobile quarterback typically very effective because the edge defender is not keyed in on doing what he needs to do. But the most most key words that we look at in our offensive line scoring is uh, the number of the edge defender fooled or not fooled. That comment is like one of the first we do zone block left, naked boot right. And then the very first thing we're talking about is whether, you know, 53 is fooled or not fooled on the play. Because that it almost always determines whether or not that play is going to be a simple level zero check down right at the line of scrimmage or whether you're going to have an opportunity for that second or third level throw on the play. And, I, I, and if, you're, if it's Lamar Jackson, that edge defender, that's what he is trained to do is make sure Lamar Jackson does not get away from you. If Correct. it's Joe Flacco, zone block left, naked boot right, looks like zone block left. <laughs> so Correct. You don't worry about it. But we still complete the pass, though. We've like, for example, the the first play of the season against the Jets was a Z hide concept at a single back. So it's one back, you know, field side right, wide side right, and we boot. Now it's a short completion to Bateman, but we've run that concept by my count six times this year, with one guy in the backfield, and 
and it's not the hide concept all the time, which hide is just, you know, a tight end or a, a receiver from one side going behind the offensive line to the other side out in the flats. But we've run that concept numerous times, I think six times. And the guys, I think we're five for six throwing on that. And, or the other converse of that is, you know, I don't disagree with you that the D end, you know, on the backside, I would say the backside is going to go at Lamar. I don't disagree with that, but it's designed to open up the run game, which it accomplishes if the backside edge defender is, is going to the quarterback. It's a one for, it's just like chess. You know what I mean? Just mm -hmm. trade one for one here. You know, I, I still, I still think there's so many things that we don't do. And I would be more comfortable with some people's criticism of Greg Roman. If they identified those things, it's just often a blanket criticism with not you. I'm talking about fans and social media stuff that I've probably muted 40% of the people I, I follow on for social media. Anyway, <laughs> they just don't know. Um, <laughs> not not block because then they know mute then they don't know um it give a specific reason you know give a specific thing that they do and then i'll listen otherwise i'm not going to listen right I, I i think that's a that's an excellent way to approach it i'm not saying the mute thing I, I i probably wouldn't do that but i've then i end up with too many people in my timeline and and sometimes then i miss a response that i should i should be making but yeah. i understand i understand your point and and it, it is right they people need to get specific and it when you do when when you ask people to get specific very quickly, their level of understanding about the thing becomes very clear. Yeah, and that's and that's partially not their fault. I mean, for real, there's a lot of people who have not been given or blessed with certain experiences like a lot of us have to have people instruct them and have people show them, you know, literally sit down and meet for two hours or whatever. Hey, this is what this is. This is how you stop it. This is how you teach it, et cetera. And but that that content is out there. And I'm not just talking about me. You, know, it, you, all the other Ravens content creators, people are delving deep into things that we are doing well, things that we're not doing well, um, things that are great calls and we just didn't execute, you know, like the week before, you know, um, the game in, in Jacksonville. Uh, offensively, we were in position to score 35 points. Players didn't execute, period. The, the game that was called, the concepts that were called, we had an opportunity to score 35 points. If we catch the football, if we throw the football, if we – if where it's supposed to be thrown and we hit the receivers in, in, uh, in stride. So it's not that simple that it's Greg Roman every week because against Jacksonville, it just was not. We got to pick up the pace a little bit here, but I want to go back to the Jacksonville game in this next point and say, one of the complaints was that the plays were getting in too slow and obviously oh, Lamar was getting very frustrated by it. Um, but we saw Huntley in this game and it, it clearly it's been a point of emphasis during the week to improve the to, at time at the line of scrimmage. They ran some no huddle. And, you know, did did so fearlessly when when Huntley was in there, you know, even though he had just replaced Lamar. And uh, I did not see that as a problem at all in this game. Yeah, it disappeared. Right. Mm -hmm. Are, do, do you think is is there a component of this that is Lamar? Like, is does Lamar have trouble translating a play call in the huddle for the players? I can't imagine that. I mean, first of all, NFL play calls are way too long. They are way too long. Some of the terminology, it's ridiculous. You know, they're they're literally saying a phrase or, you know, for each or a syllable for each player. There should be a way for you as a coach to have the plays communicated in a manner that doesn't require 17 words or 13 words or whatever it is. You know, uh, so I've dealt with um, some kids who needed things whittled down for them. Let's put it that way. And you had to figure out a way. High school coaches do a great job, not just football. 
of being able to communicate things to their kids in a concise way because those kids are be their brains are dealing with seven classes per day. So they've got a lot of terminology being, you know, jammed down their 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 throat every day. And you have to try to figure out a way to carve out some space for your concepts. NFL coaches, if you ask me, do a horrible job of that. I don't I apply zero blame to Lamar for for this other that reason and this other reason. The play's coming in late. Like it's, you know, it's, it's coming in late. Now there is an elephant in the room there that a lot of Ravens fans might not want to hear about. It's possible that our coaching staff recognize, I mean, think about the two main storylines for this season, blown leads in the fourth quarter where our defense can't stop people. Mm-hmm. And then, and then, you know, one of the storylines, I guess, could be, you know, us getting the play in late and having some delay of game penalties. I think three times this year, we've been down around the 15 and gotten a delay and you may know that it's more than that. I'm not sure. That seriously impacts your ability to score a touchdown when you're at the 15 and you get a delay, right? I mean, you, you're always at risk of a stall drive. A pre-snap penalty is less serious than a post-snap penalty. We'd agree right. on that. But Absolutely. yes, any penalty is a risk of a stall drive. In the red zone. is, is you know, We're already zone, there. Probably more, yes. We're already there. I mean, if we get a penalty on the negative 32, we don't know that we had a chance to score on that drive. We don't know that we had a high chance. If we're in the red zone, we understand that we have a high chance. So anyway, the the elephant in the room that I refer to is this. Maybe our coaches know or understand that we're prone to blow blow leads because we aren't that talented in the defensive backfield. We aren't as talented. Maybe they understand that, and that's why they're trying to run clock and shorten the game. I'm not saying I believe that. I'm just saying when I heard Greg Roman come out and say it, that they were trying to um, bleed clock, to me that sounds like a coaching staff that's trying to shorten the game to limit opportunities for a, a more talented team to beat you. That's a high. That's a, that's a football concept that's been you know <laughs> being utilized for decades. It's actually one of I in my I, I heard it too, and I thought it was one of the most self-damning comments that mm-hmm. I'd heard from Roman. And most of the time, Roman appears to let water run up his back with regard to everyone basically yep. treating him like crap. But but in that particular case, I said that's not a good thing that he would say that because no. you don't you don't believe that. I don't think he really believes it even for a second. He can say, "Yeah, we shortened the game by four minutes." What's really important is you run more plays than your opponent. That's how you get mm-hmm. a team tired. It's not time of possession. It's you yep. run more plays. Now, there are times in the game where you your, your main goal should be to get the game over with, and that's when you make negative expected points plays yep. to give you positive expected wins plays. That's, a, that's a, a, a concept that not enough fans really get. I know you do, but, but not enough fans yep. really get. And, and we, you know, I think the Ravens – at some point have approached, you know, four minute football with 10 minutes to go that way. And I got no problem with that. If that's yep. the Ravens strength is to grind out a football game. Then you do it short passes, no really long shots down the field. Fantastic. Do it that way. If you're a team that can consistently get four first downs a drive, then, then, you know, you're obviously in position to do that kind of thing. But the fact that Roman would say that out loud, you would never indict the defense in that way. And, and, and I think there, there was an element of that. And it sounded like exactly what you talked about earlier, cover. Probably yeah. for himself in this particular case to say, no, we meant to do that. It's like Pee Wee Herman falling off the bicycle. Yeah, I didn't think, I didn't think there was any way to, to spin that in a way that makes sense to say out loud. Like there's, there's a thousand things said in coaches' meetings and out on the practice field that they're not going to repeat for us. Right. That's just the way it is, you know, but that was one that I was, I don't know how you spin that and, and, and justify 
saying that out loud. Yeah. Now, I don't know how you do that. I understand what was probably the overall or overriding point there, which is, you know, let's try to shoot, let's try to limit the amount of damage our defense can do to us, particularly like when we've had, um, you know, when, when Marlon was hurt against Miami um, and, and out for like 16 plays in a row or whatever. Or I think we had two weeks where he was questionable or something like that. Because like the moment he comes off the field, we are a completely different defense. And you see the, you see the same thing when Kyle Hamilton comes off the field. We're a completely different defense. You you meant Humphrey, not Lamar, with the first thing, right? <clears throat> oh yeah, my bad. Yeah, yeah, Humphrey, my bad. Well, they're equal, you know, and Humphrey I, is Lamar of the defense. <laughs> exactly. I mean, he is just, you know, if we had become sellers this year. With let's say for whatever reason we were sellers at the trading deadline, I cannot imagine that Marlon Humphrey wouldn't have brought back a tremendous amount of draft capital because of Marlon Humphrey turned some of these other teams in the NFL's defenses into shutdown defenses because of his ability. He's just so we're very blessed to have him. Yeah, he's he's a terrific player. Unfortunately, <laughs> the Ravens can't couldn't have traded him this year because they didn't have the cap to trade yeah. him, even if they wanted to. So you know, yeah. you're often in that in that position. Um, like we need to kind of move the show along a little bit here. I'm going to go through a few uh, statistical comments here, and then we'll kind of maybe talk over all of them. Um, the Ravens really never got started in this game with Lamar Jackson. Six pass plays for one yard with him in there. Uh, they did not have third down success. He had a great streak going of nine consecutive games of 40% plus on third down. This was three for 13 in this game. That's really Huntley. Uh, so uh, Lamar made his contribution to not converting third downs before he left, but it's really Huntley who was, who was the primary ender there. And that's a shame because that's the longest uh, streak in team history. Yeah. There's going to be, there's going to be a lot of possessions with him where I think we're going to be in third and four, you know, because we're going to be in a short pass um, focus, but you know, teams are going to adjust. It's like, um, I think Stacy Van Diver said to me today in a message, he said, no, you know, Tyler Huntley's going to get someone's game plan now. You know, someone's going to game plan for him. And certainly, like the Broncos were playing soft split field coverages, you know, staying back, keeping everything in front. So the short pass game was there for him. There will be situations where people strategically or tactically decide to take that away. A absolutely. And I, I think, you know, one of the things that, Humph that Huntley really does is allow the defense to totally collapse on the offense. And with, the, with an offense like the Ravens that's trying to, to spread the line of scrimmage horizontally, that's a really big deal because plays don't have the same amount of time to develop. You know, your, your run plays even that you wanted to have time to develop, even if they're draws, you know, even if a you know, draw play ties, takes time to develop, a, a read play uh, in some ways takes time to develop. Um, but, you know, his pocket awareness is such that your pass plays are, you're having a much more predominantly short pass and boot set of concepts you're working with get it get them out of the pocket quickly your run plays have to be a lot of quick hitters i wish they i i, I wish they would go back to running more power under these circumstances because i think zone concepts will actually be yet less useful yeah uh, with, with what they've got i think it's gonna be too much penetration to, to i like to see them mix i like when they mix the gap schemes and the zone schemes together it's always it's always created so much conflict in my mind but then again, you know, my understanding is limited compared to the people that run things at the NFL level, obviously. But it's it's so much conflict for us to read as linebackers when it's gap schemes versus zone schemes. Um, I wish that we mixed them a little more, especially because we have two 
maybe even three guys on the inside there that are so good on zone schemes or even stretch stuff. And I think I think Moses is a better stretch blocker than um, gap schemes as well. Yeah, you know, that is that is an odd concept. I mean, I don't think he's been bad this year in terms of down blocking going to level two. He's actually shown up with a lot of level two blocks, but he's the only one to me who really looks comfortable in a keep your pace right zone movement. Oh, yeah. Like, he has a big body, first of all, so that helps. He has long arms, that helps. Um, but but McCary, I've seen him, you know, just last week he got way out in front of a yeah. of his own play and allowed a penetration behind him. Big no no. Yeah. Yeah, it's and finally slow. Yeah, I mean, it's just it just got different. They're moving at five different speeds, and you want to move, you know, all basically at the same speed in a in a, in a zone concept. So, I, I just I, I'm not sure the Ravens are really made for it. I do know that they can still run a lot of these dual concepts, a lot of the the double inside double teams, um, and, and make things happen. It's just another thing they actually need out of that is a quarterback who's actually a dangerous threat on a read play. Yeah, and I, I Huntley, you know, you're you're going from a seven yard a carry read guy to a four yard a carry, uh, you know, runner, and yeah. and he's he's just not nearly as dangerous, not going to make as, no. as as frequent good reads as Lamar does. That's what's so hard to hear. Like, well, you don't if you're you know you're at the game. I know you go to a lot of them, but the the announcers are like, all oh, these guys have similar skill sets. What? <laughs> what? Have you seen Lamar Jackson run? I mean, have you seen? You know, and now granted, Tyler Huntley's made some big runs. You know, don't get me wrong. You know, especially even last year in the the last four or five games of the year, he had some big runs in certain situations. But it's not the same. You know, it's like it's like a guy who hits forty two home runs a year, Lamar. If in case anyone doesn't understand, yeah. every year, and a guy who hits you know twenty five, twenty six most years, and occasionally hits thirty three. Yeah, that that's a good number. Don't get me wrong. But it's a it's not the same skill set. It's not. And I really like Tyler Huntley. I think that's 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 a great analogy. I was gonna give another one. Is is basically I'm the same quarterback Peyton Manning is because one, I'm I'm tall. Yeah, I'm I'm not tall for a, for an NFL player, but I'm tall for a human being. Uh, second, uh, I love to stand in the pocket because uh, there's no way I can move out of it, particularly <laughs> my age. And, and number three, I want to get rid of the ball very quickly. <laughs> so, right. so but yeah, it's, you're, you're right. The Tyler Huntley comparison is is it's a stylistic similarity without being a quality similarity. Yeah, and there and there and then also too, there's the you know dynamic of you know the, the plays are called different for Huntley. Well. He does do one thing drastically different from Lamar, and you can use the word better if you want. I frankly don't care. He gets rid of the ball quicker. That's just a fact. You know, he's willing to throw the short passes and get the ball out, and Lamar. That's just not Lamar's focus. And to and me personally, as a huge Lamar fan, that's not an easy thing for me to say. Like I want to be able to say that every attribute Lamar has is a ninety-five or higher. In terms of taking the short passes, it's just not. Tyler Huntley gets rid of the ball quicker than he does. He's willing to take the single, whereas Lamar wants a double or a triple. I I, I want to react to that because I agree with your, your comment in terms of qualitatively what the difference is between the two players. But I would say it's not a weakness. It's a difference in style that plays to his abilities in Lamar's case. Lamar's t- when Lamar's time to throw is very high, he's extremely effective. And that usually means he's being slippery, moving out of the pocket, extending plays. Doesn't necessarily mean he's not getting some pressure. But the, the, when he can extend plays, he is a dangerous, dangerous cat. Humphrey yep. Huntley um, needs to have the ball schemed out of his hands by the coaches. 
That's why they spread the. That's why they spread it for him. Absolutely, yes. That's why it makes sense, and I don't have a. That's why I don't have a um, a problem with the offense quote looking different. You know, which some people do. You know, but having said that, there's two situations in the game the other day before Lamar went out where you know one of them, and I I know you've seen. I mean, Duve is absolutely wide open in the left flats for Lamar to throw the ball to, and he's got to work through the progression faster. In my, and I hate to say this, like you know. I know you weren't thinking about me saying this, but if Tyler Huntley is the quarterback on that play, the ball is thrown to Duve, and it's a 20-25 yard game. That that's a uh, you know probably a very valid point, and and uh, I, I I'm not I'm not gonna gonna say that one is better or one of the uh, one is no. One is I hate better. that conversation. It's a stupid conversation, you know. <laughs> but yeah, I, I uh, uh, y- 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 any player, if you can't see any way in which they could be better, you're probably not looking hard enough. Exactly, you know? exactly, exactly. I just I feel, and I also feel like there's you know there's a clear indication that we are not focused on the short passing game with Lamar because we're not spreading the field horizontally. I think you kind of alluded to it earlier. We're not spreading the field horizontally for him already. You look at, um, I call it flex or just, you know, some people call it spread, just a two by two set Mm -hmm. quarterback in the shotgun, uh, whatever people want to call it. Some people call it spread, but not empty two by two by two, one back, not empty. Exactly. Two by two. Um, and we're, we're in that a lot. You know, I'm going through my, um, formations. I'm just scrolling on my screen right now on Ravens stuff. Well, we're in, we're in some 20, we're in some 12. I actually liked our 12 personnel the other day, to be honest with you. I was, there was two run plays out of our 12 personnel that shocked me, meaning Ricard's not on the field. Um, but yeah, the offense looks different with Huntley. And I guess, you know, it kind of should, you know, like you said, to play to his strengths. Just counting this up right now, 22, 23, 23 <laughs> times the Ravens lined up four wide with either one back or one tight end. Only one of those mm-hmm. was, a, was a one tight end situation. So you're right on the money. And, and that has been something that people have been tossing cover for Lamar on this week is are, are, does Lamar see this and see all of the extra receivers granted to Huntley um, and think, boy, my offense could be more efficient. They just have to get me weapons and, and let me play out a spread like this. Um, I, I, I don't think that's the way – to get the most out of Lamar, but you know, everybody who wants to be an offensive coordinator or thinks they are an offensive coordinator wants to talk about how bad the, the, the scheme is and, and why the scheme is. Yeah. It is not a positive for Tyler Huntley that they spread the offense in the way they do. It is an accommodation for Tyler Huntley. Yeah. I like, um, I like to think that, and I kind of said this in the off season, you know, and I would never disparage uh, Pat Ricard because, you know, this is a whole nother conversation, but when you, you can do what we do with Pat Ricard, you can do it. Mm-hmm. However, you know, I really like our 12 personnel because our, and, and the, the issue, the problem is there is neither one of our tight ends, Mark Andrews or Josh Oliver or, or likely can do what Ricard does. What we need is a tight end who can do that occasionally so we can operate out of 12 personnel, which can be 11 in terms of a formation because likely Andrews and, and to a lesser extent, Oliver have, you know, catch, pass catching abilities, but you need someone to be able to block if you're going to run split zone, you know, what I call split zone, inside zone to the right and the, and the H-back kicking out to the left. That would be where we would want to go because then Lamar could have spread formations, spread personnel, 
and and condensed formations with the same guys on the field. You wouldn't need to be so sub heavy. I think that would help Roman with the um, getting the plays in on time as well because you wouldn't be subbing as much. When you look at our drive charts, which I know you have as well, typically it goes like this. You know, from a personnel standpoint, 12, 12, 11, 22, 12, 13, 22, you know, it, it, vast, it varies, you know, and that, that, that is the complaint that a lot of people don't talk about enough because that's the reason why we're taking so long is because we're subbing in people and then we're getting the play. Yeah. So, and, and you have to know the play usually to know the subgroup. I mean, maybe exactly. a case of, of that Roman actually calls the group and then he goes to the play kind of thing, but either way he might be, he might be stalling himself. You, you, you constrain yourself to a certain set of plays when you leave your personnel on the field and just try and run no huddle. You, you, you make it easier to get that play in quicker. You obviously are going to get the line of scrimmage quicker because it's, it's part of no huddle as you don't want the defense subbing, but you you, uh, you really give yourself an opportunity to, uh, uh, to not fail in that particular way. I do think the Laven, the Ravens offense runs off kind of a fresh legs concepts. Mm-hmm. And, and when the, when the defense doesn't really have um, 15 guys that they like to uh, sub through, and I'm talking about primarily at the outside linebacker and defensive line positions being right. an additional four. I think when, when they only have 14 guys or less, I think that the, the, the Ravens really like to go after that and wear that defense down. And, yep. they, and they do it with sub packages and they do it with, you know, just a lot of mm-hmm. consistent running and blocking um, with, with the tight end. It's, it's a fun, it's a fun issue to be honest with you, to talk about personnel and the way that it impacts the game, you know, the defense, like you just talked about and the way that it impacts the plays that are called, you know, no doubt, like there is a reason why we kept Pat, Pat Ricard. And there's a reason why we operate the way that we do in, in the quote. And I am using air quotes, as I say this in the quote, modern game, uh-huh. you know, of football that is not drastically different from the way the game was people use the word modern game who didn't pay attention to football 20 30 years ago <laughs> because they because they were they were not born yet you know uh there was the run and sh- there was a thing called the run and shoot which i know you're aware of in the 80s and 90s which Oilers. yeah exactly well my high school ran the run and shoot so i was i understand it and you know we even stuck with it some when i was coaching it from a certain um certain back from a certain standpoint like the modern game has a place for a tight end slash fullback guy we're doing it with a fullback, and in my opinion, I would like to see us do it with a tight end who can occasionally play fullback, and that would be the difference. You know, um, prior to the draft, I, I, I said, you know, I like, like Jeremy Ruckert, Jake Ferguson, some of the rookies I looked at. You know, I was not anticipating Isaiah Likely, you know, being a guy that we looked at, but having said that now, prior to his injury, you can correct me if I'm wrong, we had used him at fullback some. I'm thinking of the Saints game. We're talking about Likely now? Yep. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And, and he had, he had executed the read that Ricard does out of the option uh, three times this year. So that was surprising to me because usually it had been Ricard doing that or Boyle pre-injury and then Andrews occasionally. So we need a tight end who can play fullback. So Lamar can have those guys on the field, no matter what type of formation we're lining up in. And if you, you scare the opposing defensive coordinator more to have a tight end like likely as opposed to Ricard because there's yes. more ways likely obviously can hurt you whether he's flexed even in line and we didn't think likely would be an inline player but pretty much he's excelled as a blocker now yes. in recent weeks pretty much any way they put him 
Absolutely. I was one of those when I did a pre-draft or, or a post-draft, excuse me, uh, look at, at Likely where I said, you know, he's really struggling to block in college. Mm-hmm. And um, my buddy Edgar Allen, you know, hit the nail on the head. He went the, he said, he said, look, I think he's going to be a better blocker than people are offering. And I didn't agree with that, but he has been. Now he struggled some early in the year. I think he's adjusted. Uh, and, you know, the 12-yard catch that he had on the game-winning drive, where he makes the linebacker miss, you know, by the way, that that's a linebacker who had 17 tackles Sunday. Mm-hmm. So he clearly can tackle. And Isaiah likely, I don't even know if he touched likely. So having a guy on the field, like Isaiah likely, as opposed to Ricard, and I, I love Pat Ricard. How many people have ever played on both sides of the football in the NFL? You know, especially in this day and age, very few people have done that, you know, probably more so back in the fifties and sixties, uh, you know, so having more likely on the field and less Ricard, I think, is the way to go. That's why I love 12 personnel. Yeah, I, 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 uh, I can buy into that. Uh, we we got to move the show forward a little bit here. So Sorry, man. Uh, I, I, I do want to say a few things. The Broncos only went after Tyler with four and five on every play. Uh, so it was, they really didn't try any extreme rust packages to go after him. Uh, it's still pocket awareness for me that is – the weakness with the left tackle situation being what it is. And and what it means is you can go down a list of all the plays you can run with Lamar. And it's basically the full Ravens playbook because it's built yeah. for Lamar. And then you have to take out 35% of those plays because it's Tyler Huntley. Cause this play takes too long to develop as a pass. You know, this doesn't really work with the way he reads. He's not as good a reader as Lamar. So we can't ask him to, to make that read against an air player, you know, an unblocked defensive end I'm talking about now. Yeah. I feel, I will say this. I liked. I loved the 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 throw to Drake because he worked through. Mm. I know that he worked through three progressions there, right to left, and then came back. I don't think he's really looking at Oliver, I, so I really am not counting Oliver. And then he threw it to what is really the fifth option. So he went right to left, snag flat, and then the over concept from Andrews, like. I can't remember a play from this year where we have gone through four parts of the progression and and then completed the pass. That's what I liked about it. Just competing and working through everything. Um, you know, and of course, it was a little bit of ad lib. The number 99 could have easily rushed the passer instead of going for the pump fake, you know, no doubt. But uh, he went through all the progressions. Like, that's the type of progression that you do on air, you know, with no defenders and, and the coach is saying, Oh, this is how you work through the progression. Uh, he, except he did it in the 60th minute of an NFL football game where we hadn't scored a touchdown yet. Pretty damn impressive. Great play. Certainly <laughs> won the game for the Ravens more. It was more important. I think than any play on that drive, the 13 yard, maybe, maybe not, maybe the, you know, yeah. the Andrews yeah. at the, through the penalty also was more important. Mm-hmm. Anyway, it, it was, it was the play, but, I, I'm going to take the other side of this for a second, Coach, and just you know, let me go a little bit. Give me a little little bit of rope on this one. Um, <laughs> he he definitely did go through some reads, and then he got flushed left. Okay, flushed left for an NFL a right-handed NFL quarterback is death. Okay, you 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 basically you, I always prefer, and this is from years of watching Joe Flacco for that ball never to be thrown. Now Lamar certainly is has more upper body turn. Than, than Flacco and also more speed to get his feet reset. We didn't see a foot reset at a Huntley there. And so it, this was like a long three to pointer being taken where I go, no, 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 no. Yes. He made it, you know, kind of thing. Yeah. That ball had all kinds of chances to be intercepted. 
I mean, Huntley is not that accurate a thrower. He happened to, to find a space where there were no defenders. Drake happened to have the awareness to go get the football properly and and uh, and then still make a play after he caught the ball, which was really great play yeah. by Drake. Um, but boy, I wish that ball had not been thrown. If Singleton, the, if Singleton, the linebacker, isn't hustling, that's a touchdown. You know, he's the guy that saved it. I just love the fact, and I, when I saw it live, I didn't appreciate it as much until like later that night, and I thought, you know, because I I track. I mean, you know, um, I track the offensive plays by concept, and I have a database that, you know, I can look at all the instances of snag flat. So snag flat is um, the outside receiver running a, an angled hook you know, at five to six, seven yards. And then the inside receiver, which was in this case was Ricard. He was a slot tight end, you know, running into the flats and you're, and you're reading the, the you're reading someone, you know, is the flat defender going to be open or is the snag open? I have that being run by us like 37 times this year, not one time. Of that, And I looked at it. This is why I thought it was a unique play. Mm-hmm. Not one time have I ever seen us go off a snag flat, and then to another read. Now, personally, I think Mark Andrews is open in the middle of the field. <laughs> like, I think if it's Lamar, he probably throws to Andrews in the middle of the field. But here's the larger point for me. If it's Lamar, is he focused on Andrews initially in the first place? And is one of the defenders more so leveraged toward Andrews than the snag flat, which in my opinion is where the read is supposed to be. And that's why I'm saying that I that's why I love the play because he goes, he goes snag flat, which is one, two, you know, two Andrews in the middle of the field, which I still think he could have thrown, but he didn't want to try to squeeze it through there. I don't think he really, and this is all right to left. You know, this is all right to left. I don't think he gets to Oliver. I don't think he really takes a serious look at Oliver um, and then comes back to Drake, who would be, you know, option five naturally, if we just do the math. That's the, and I didn't, I didn't see that ever from us this year. But of course, if it was Lamar, he could have, you know, scrambled for that 13 yard gain and not risked throwing the ball between the two levels of the defense. Yeah. Even with Lamar's long time to throws, he rarely gets to a fifth read because a run becomes, you know, first of all, run becomes available before then. But second of all, the pocket gets moved before then, which means a lot of your regular reads don't look the same. Yeah, as, as you expect. So, so he's already trying to find an extended play read at that point. But yet, the other point is very good about he'd have been focused on Andrews, and he probably would have thrown that ball, and maybe the defense reacts differently to it. It's it's a point well taken. I think Huntley is a is a is a guy who will just and you kind of alluded to it earlier. He will run the system that they ask him to run. Not that Lamar will not, but Huntley will run the read the exact read that he's supposed to irrespective of, you know, probably how the defense lines up. He Why? Because he doesn't have as many snaps in the NFL as Lamar does. <laughs> Lamar, Lamar has enough snaps to walk up and say, okay, well, I know the read is here, but I see the coverage, what the coverage is, so I understand that those first two parts of the read are probably not open anyway because of what they're doing defensively. Huntley doesn't have that experience, and I think that's a further limiting factor for Huntley is that, he hasn't seen – if we were talking about math pre-show, you and I, he hasn't seen enough qu- equations to understand how to quickly adapt, you know, based on where it's going to go. So that's that's another limiting factor besides the the athleticism that you referred to earlier. Right. All right, run through a few more statistical things, and, and we got to cl- close up this first uh, part of the show here. Uh, they only gave uh, the combination of Huntley and Lamar six ample time and space opportunities. One of those went to Prochet. 
on the interception. Uh, that's only 18% of the total passes. The Ravens offensive line in this game really did not get it done. There were 13 other ball out quick opportunities. There's a 39% of the plays. Uh, those only went for 4.7 yards per play, even though 12 out of 13 were completed. Now, the bad thing is 42% of the time, even though they were only rushing four or five every single time, uh, the Broncos were able to get pressure. And actually, Huntley had a pretty good game against those. He completed 10 of 12 for 77 yards uh, and five and a half yards per play on those plays. Didn't t- turn the ball over, though he did have was sacked twice on those plays. But uh, you know, I, the point I'm making with all this is that the opportunity set that Huntley had was not that great in this game. Yeah, yeah. There's a there's a cap. It would be a low if you were to look at just the way the defense played. There's a low ceiling on the output that we would expect Huntley to produce. Is that I think that's what you mean? Yeah, it, it, it is, and and he he outperformed it in some ways. But you know, to look at some of the next gen stats numbers, uh, the time to throw was two point six nine yard seconds per play. That's really short. It'd be super short for Lamar. Uh, it was twenty twentieth out of thirty quarterbacks in the NFL. Yeah. Completed air yards. 3.9 per play. So yeah, all short you know, stuff, all in front of the defense. Yeah. Totally in front of the defense. And intended air yards only 5.8, 28th out of 30 in the NFL. So that's down at the Garoppolo level of uh, probably shouldn't even tease 49ers fans at this point because there is a gonna lower be, level. <laughs> going to be a very interesting matchup because of some of the half field coverages that the Steelers play. The Steelers play um, a lot of split field coverages. They're very multiple. And this is going back to LeBeau, you know. 90s, you know, um, LeBeau, they play a lot of split field coverages where they're jumping certain routes and people are like, oh, he jumped that. No, it's a read. You know, it's a read. It's predetermined in terms of who the safety and corner are reading. If you think, and I, you know, I can do this in the second segment if you wish, but um, if you think back to the 2020 game up there, remember Joe Hayden had a pick six on RG3 yeah. um, inside of our own red zone. That was, that was what's called two read. So he's reading the number two receiver, the number, and he's the corner, obviously, Hayden. And if the number two receiver runs out, he's jumping that. He's taking that out now from the corner. So he's releasing number one to the safety. That's a read. That's not a, I'm going to make a play here. That doesn't happen as often in the NFL as people think. Mm-hmm. Later on that game, if you recall, RG3 got hurt. McSorley came in. The Ravens set the Steelers up. They lined up in the same formation, the same exact side. Why? Because they knew the Steelers were going to play two read. And Hayden jumps it, and what does McSorley do? He hits Marquise Brown for the 74-yard touchdown that got us back in the game. I know you remember it because you pay you know, exquisite you know, attention. My point in saying that is the Steelers are going to do things to try to take away the, the, limited, the few options that Huntley has. And then now Greg Roman and the Ravens offensive staff have to do things. Okay, we know the Steelers. Let's not walk in there and act like we don't know they play two read, and they're not going to jump a five-yard out but with the corner. You know, I mean, we understand that's what they do. Let's manipulate them and let's let's attack the things they do specifically. And they've done for 30 years out of that defense. It's I know that it's different coaches there, but let's be honest. That is still a Dick LeBeau system being run there uh, with a lot of the same coverages, especially to one side of the field, especially to the offense's right, the defense's left. Mm-hmm. Outstanding stuff, Coach. Just Man, this is a great show. We didn't get through nearly the, the whole bullet point list, but – We'll cover a lot of these in the second part of this show. Really appreciate having your expertise and your the the um, offensive encyclopedia that you bring to the table when we're talking football here. And and you know you've you've shown me a little bit of what's in your database. But why don't you talk a little bit about where people could talk to you online and and uh, find your work? 
uh, all 22 films on Twitter and all 22 films on YouTube. The actual address for the Twitter one is like, I don't know how to change it. Like somebody who's Twitter uh, savvy or not a Twitter noob like me, help me out. Like I, I made it all 22 NFL cuts initially and, and then changed the, the front name. But the, the at symbol is still, you know, very laborious for people to type. But it's all 22 films. And then the database is just something that I, I try to do the same thing you do, which is just track as many plays as possible for, for multiple reasons for my own usage. Um, I've offered it to other content creators as well. Like, Hey, if you want to use this, like take advantage of it, you know, to help you, you know, keep track of, cause I'm imagining that there's other people out there like myself who are trying to track it. You know, why are eight or 10 different people um, separate of each other tracking the same data? To me, it makes more sense for people to work together and have group access to it. Number one. But another reason why it helps me out is like in the off season to create videos, you know, on a random Tuesday, I can just go, Hey, let me go find the 37 instances of us running snag flat and see like, oh, 32 of these times we're running it to our right. I wonder why that it will. We have a right handed quarterback. So what is, you know, and, and the impact that that can have on a defense. So and in terms of you not us not covering as much in the first half, you know, that's all my fault, not yours. No, well, I'm not blaming anybody. We have great conversations. <laughs> and believe me, it's it's not just you. It's pretty much every guest I have because, first of all, I get great people on the show, which is terrific. But second of all, I can't keep my mouth shut either. So, yeah, you know, we, we go back and forth on topics. And hopefully this is stuff that, that people really appreciate. I know they really appreciated when you were on the first time, uh, Coach. So this is the kind of thing that, that I want to have you on more. We have to get some of these connection issues got to figured out. And <laughs> really appreciate that we've got a we've got a good one tonight. Well, it's, it's, you're doing what you're, you're doing what you're supposed to be doing right now. And that's why it comes out in your show. And, um, the people you have on are, are passionate about the Ravens and passionate about football. So, you know, those situations are, are not forced at all. It's smooth and it's people who enjoy talking football, enjoy talking to you about football and your listeners, you know, enjoy listening to them. So it's all, it's all smooth and it's all good. So I appreciate you having me on. Well, absolutely. You're welcome. Many more times. Other folks out there, if you'd like to do a film study short, Hit me up. I'm I'm up to talk football with anybody. Consider me as like a, a call-in talk show, if that's what you want to think of me as. Hit me up with a DM Twitter. Tell me the topic you're passionate about. We'll discuss it in a short. I'm looking to create some more accessible content to people that might be 20 or 30 minutes instead of the hour and 10. These things always seem to go. Uh, I found myself recently uh, on YouTube and watching a lot of three and four minute Ukraine videos as opposed to the 15 minute Ukraine videos, just because my attention span seems to be shorter. So hopefully, you know, I'm, I'm starting to get the message that some shorter content would really uh, help to get the spread better. But that, anyway, hit me up. DMs are always open on Twitter. Love to hear from you. Uh, Coach, we'll come back in part two in a minute. But thank you very much. Appreciate it, man. And we'll talk to you next time on Film Study. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. 
Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.